This is the second of two episodes where I'm sharing some very practical strategies that help us with managing distraction in the workplace. And today's all about overflowing emails and social media notifications and how to manage them. See you on the inside. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Welcome back. This is the second of two episodes where I'm sharing some very practical strategies that help us with managing distraction in the workplace. And we're tackling those common challenges of overflowing email inbox and social media notifications. Now, if you haven't listened or read part one, I really suggest you do that first and then come back and join us for this second part. The first three steps I talk about in part one will make creating any new productivity habits so much more effective for you. So if you think about it in the right order, then it's easier to start moving on to some very practical pieces. At the end of today's episode, I'm going to give you a link to a distraction action productivity booster workbook. That's hard to say. (laughs) And you can use this to take you through all of the five steps over both parts one and two. Plus, there's a super helpful checklist at the end of it which is a good tool you can use to identify the distractions you personally need to stay on top of. So let's jump right in with step four. Step four focuses on wrangling your inbox and social media into total submission. I'm guessing you probably have a good idea where your distractions lie. What are those rabbit holes where you start off with the intention of spending five minutes on it? but that time turns into hours. Keep your list of distractions in mind. There's no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame. Don't wish you had done things differently or wonder what life or business would be like today if you had ignored your distractions. You don't know what you don't know. So look at today as a new beginning, a way to corral those distractions so you can focus completely on what's important to you. Let's talk specifically about strategies for managing email and social media. While it's not the case for everyone, most entrepreneurs struggle with social media and email. It can also be housework, googling random bits of information, peer interest, Instagram, needing to spy on the neighbours. If it takes you away from your deep work for a significant amount of time, it counts as a distraction. I did spend some time researching some of the tools I'd heard about, but this was very purposeful Googling, right? (laughs) If social media is a serious time suck in your world, get strict about exactly how and when you use it, especially during work hours. Are you actually using it to promote your business or are you keeping up with your friends and family and college buddies? If you're not using it for business, keep it off your browser during business hours. I know you're thinking that'll take willpower. Well, consider using Chrome extensions like Stay Focused 
Dayboard, or Block and Focus. I personally don't use these Chrome extensions because I've just trained myself to not have these things open on my desktop, but I'm told they're really, really helpful as you're kind of getting going with this. Each of these extensions will put web blockers on your chosen sites during certain hours. So even if you click over to that site, you'll get a blank screen and a reminder that it's off limits for now. Sounds a bit harsh, but it's kind of like self-love. <laughs> and if you've got a social media plan in place for your business, you can still use these extensions, but allow yourself certain periods during the day when you can check for comments or responses. Do you remember we talked last time in part one about time blocking? So that's a really good way to organize it. Another way is to automate your social media using a third-party scheduling platform such as SmarterQ, Hootsuite, or Meet Edgar, where you can plan out your publishing strategy without getting caught up in your feed. There's lots of others as well that you might use. Lastly, hiring a virtual assistant, a VA, who can be your social media manager or your tech person and take over some of the workflow, it's another great way to remove yourself from temptation of getting in the weeds. You want to keep yourself primarily in your genius zone in the high peak productivity periods of your day. My suggestion is to have a plan in place before hiring, including your optimal publishing schedule and what you want to publish to make the transition as smooth and seamless as possible. Now that's part of how you'll use social media. Equally as important is when you'll use social media. As much as we love technology, one part you don't want to automate is your ability to interact with your followers. Decide on how frequently you want to post to your page or profile and then schedule that time into your calendar. For instance, maybe Monday to Friday, you only use Facebook business page once a day to post and reply to comments and you save social scrolling for the weekend. Look into how to cross-promote and link multiple platforms together like Facebook and Instagram. So you're publishing in two spots at the same time. I do this with my podcast. I have it automatically post to LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram whenever an episode is released. Plan out how many posts or stories you'll publish in a day and add it to your social media calendar. A social media calendar, either paper or digital. It's vitally important as it'll help keep your plans in one spot, as opposed to sticky notes or notebooks that get lost or tossed in a drawer. So you'll never question what you're going to post in any given day. Creating social media content can be a major time suck for some. A calendar, as well as outsourcing the content creation, can help cut down your time-wasting distractions considerably. You want to be shaping it because it's your subject matter but there's no reason why an assistant or ChatGPT even can't help you build out some of the actual body of the content. Newsfeed Eradicator is another Chrome extension I've heard about that blocks your main newsfeed, but allows you to visit pages and groups. And the idea is that you can still get on to update your business page or manage your groups without getting caught in the endless scrolling. Email is another activity that certainly has a purpose, but can also turn into a time-sucking distraction. Depending on the size of your inbox and the number of clients and lists you're subscribed to, managing your inbox can easily become its own full-time job. Instead of popping into your email whenever you've got a minute, 
schedule email checking time into your schedule in time blocks of like 15 to 60 minutes, depending on how crazy your inbox is. Determine how many email blocks you want to schedule. If checking email only once each morning gives you anxiety, choose one morning and one afternoon time block or split your time into three blocks, morning, noon and late afternoon. Checking emails just a few times a day is an absolute game changer. I mean, I actually check my email about six times a day, but I have a very short window in my schedule where I do that. It means that the time I spend doing deep work is not disturbed by checking my email. It takes a bit of discipline and practice, but it really is such a big productivity hack. Just try it for a day or three days, and I think you'll be amazed how well this works. In addition to time blocking your email management, logging out of your account when you're done is helpful too. Think of how many windows you have open at any given time. Do you really want an open email window to tempt you every time you go to research a blog post? Again, if you don't want to waste your willpower on email distraction, consider using something like Inbox Pause by Boomerang. This is an add-on that I have used. It's a feature that's available for Gmail, Outlook and iPhones. And it allows you to decide what time you want email delivered to your inbox. It also can send out reminders of an email that you need to take action on. But it means you don't have to take action right away. It's indispensable. Consider setting it to first thing in the morning and late afternoon. This makes the rest of your day email free. Boomerang also allows you to send emails at your preferred time of day. So if you're responding to someone after hours or on the weekend, you can set it so they'll receive it during business hours. This way, you're not setting any precedence as people won't expect a response during off hours. If you're crunched for time during one of your email blocks due to a client call that ran late or a project that took longer than expected, consider snoozing certain emails so you're reminded to return to them at a later date and time. This feature is available in Gmail and Outlook and allows you to choose a better date time to read these messages. This works better than sorting emails into folders where they run the risk of being forgotten or overlooked. If you have any lengthy email conversations that include information or need at a later date, use the mute feature in Gmail instead of allowing it to take up space in your inbox. When you mute an email thread, it's archived and taken out of your primary inbox. At any point in the future, you can remove the mute feature and it'll appear back in your inbox. Another thing I do is create a calendar event and copy the email text or links. For instance, if someone sends me a Google Doc, I need to review. And this way, when I get to that task, I've not only blocked time for it, I've also got all I need super handy. When it comes to business communication, you as the business owner are allowed to set up boundaries with your clients by letting them know your approved forms of communication. If some choose email while others use Voxer or Slack or Facebook Messenger, you run the risk of being more distracted because you're worried that you're missing important messages or that they're all in different places. Tell your clients the time of day to best reach you, what is your preferred mode, especially if it's like long and has attachments, then I usually say send it by email. If it's a short, just a quick question, then I say to use Slack. I also talk about how long it's going to take for me to reply. And this is particularly important because I work across different time zones. So 
um, sometimes people forget. <laughs> they, they, um, they're in North America, maybe they're even on Pacific side, which is like eight hours. Um, I'm eight hours ahead of them. So they'll send me something late afternoon. Well, I'm not going to look at it till the next morning. Some clients will be stubborn or they'll claim they don't know how to use different platforms other than email. And it'll be up to you to determine how to handle those situations. You can hold strong to your communication requests by ignoring messages that come from any other platform, or you can accept those messages and reinforce how long it will take you to respond. Some might mutter and groan a bit before complying, and others will be happy to comply because they understand that you need to set business boundaries, but they also want to make sure they're using the uh, platform that you're going to respond the fastest in and in your best capacity. You can also use one location like Asana or Basecamp or Monday to communicate with your team. I love to use Trello for projects particularly, not for day-to-day sort of stuff, but for projects, it's really good. You can uh, keep everything streamlined and in one place, and it's really great for allocating team to task. And that's important if you're sharing files and contracts as well. So no more searching a massive inbox with tons of folders for the important documents you need. And another thing I do for a lot of my coaching clients is I create a shared hub document on Google Docs. And this is a really great way to set out the action plan to allow people to comment and ask questions and also to put in hyperlinks to work in progress. And this is super helpful because otherwise you end up having things that are like they've come in as an attachment in Slack or they've sent you something by email and, you know, it can just get really time consuming to go search for the various pieces and like when they were sent and how they were sent. So every time I get something, I put it into a shared folder and I create a link into that uh, shared document. And better still, I ask my clients to do that. Lastly, if you work from a home office and attempted daily with household chores, Consider setting boundaries for these tasks or outsource them. Cleaning, gardening, whatever it is. If you enjoy it, great. Do it on the weekend or in your free time, but otherwise get someone in. Try to pick a particular day and time window that you get these done as well. You know, also things like if the dishwasher needs unloading, do it outside of your work hours. The same is true for meal planning and grocery shopping. I did a three-part series on self-organization for business owners, particularly if you're working from home. That's episodes 78, 79, and 80. And that last one, part three, setting boundaries for working from home, is probably one of my most popular episodes. It's kind of interesting, but it's obviously an area that people struggle with. So go have a listen to that. Um, It's in the list in 2022, right at the end of the year. Avoid using your entrepreneur freedom as extra time to book hair or doctor appointments. Save general errands for after work or on weekends. Treat your business time with the utmost respect as if it was your job in a corporate office for a boss. I mean, you wouldn't be browsing the internet or calling up your, um, your friend in your office hours, right? So this holds true even if your business hours are traditional nine to five or if you're a night owl working evenings. Treat those hours, whatever they are, as sacred to maximize your productivity. Okay, so lecture over. (laughs) That's one of the best pieces of advice I've got, so I had to dish it out. Um, Step five, get tactical on notifications and tech to eliminate interruptions and get way more done. Technology is awesome for helping us get our work done, but it can also hinder us 
by causing major distractions, which lead to lapsed productivity. So let's tame the distractions without tossing technology out of the window so we're using our time and attention wisely. One, think about how you can limit or completely eliminate the following while doing your work. Turn off notifications. If you've got notifications set to pop up, turn them all off, including your phone, just for while you're doing your deep work. Silence your phone or set it to airplane mode. iPhones also allow you to set your phone to do not disturb and choose which hours you're available and under which conditions others can reach you. Androids, I think, have a work time setting where you can block certain apps during certain hours of the day as well. In part one, I already mentioned strict workflow and focus booster. These follow the Pomodoro method and allows you to block distracting websites for when your Pomodoro timer is on. On a Mac, the app called Self-Control app allows you to add websites to a blacklist and then set a timer for how long you'd like to block them. BlockSite offers similar features for Windows users, as does Stay Focused. Number two is if you've got technology in place and feel the need for human accountability, bring in the reinforcements, aka an accountability partner. Focusmate.com is a virtual co-working site where you're partnered with a peer accountability partner anytime for a 50-minute work session. Um, it's not something that I've used myself, but again, I just wanted to share it as this came up when I was doing my research. The site boasts no chit chat and no collaboration. Instead, you show up, state your first task and get started. Sometimes having a stranger as an accountability partner holds you to a higher standard than a friend who might let you slide if you're not complete with your task. And a similar methodology is focused space. For approximately $37 a session, I think, you'll meet with a focused guide for 90 minutes. You'll start with a short meditation, share your task at hand and your goal, and share your screen for accountability. And they'll check in with you at intervals that you agree on throughout the session. You can also sign up for wake-up calls, which are daily 15-minute check-in group calls. And sometimes this is the impetus you need to actually get into the habit. So it's not something that you'd want to necessarily use all the time. But if you're really struggling with this, then it's worth kind of signing up and seeing if it helps get you kind of trained. The third one is to build a relationship with a business peer or friend and have daily check-ins there for accountability. Consider checking in with each other as you start your day, say your intention or goal for the day. And then when you're ending your day, you do another quick check-in and state your accomplishments. We do this a lot in our coaching, both one-to-one and group coaching calls, because that check-in where you talk about wins, you talk about learning points, you talk about where you're getting stuck, it's a really good start to getting the help that you need. But it's also something that you can do with an accountability partner. The best accountability partners are those who are not afraid to question why something didn't get finished. They won't accept your excuses and they'll challenge you to find the lesson so you can implement it. Partners will know how to challenge you without degrading your work or hurting your feelings. Accountability is about holding you high so you can reach your goals. And the fourth area that I want to talk about is using a coffee shop or a library or bookstore for accountability. 
while you don't have to publicly declare what you're working on in these places, most people don't want to appear to spend hours on end scrolling through social media. They want the appearance of getting work done in case anyone glances at their screen while passing. This might be a bit far-fetched for some of us, but um, you know, look into co-working spaces. It can actually really just make you feel in the zone for working. These spaces are designed for multiple people to work in the same vicinity. It's usually a monthly fee. But if you want a private office or you need a conference room for meetings, you would obviously have to pay extra. Otherwise, you'll get a space in a cubicle or other type of workstation and still get the feeling that you're in an office space. The distractions in such places are very minimal, especially if you're wearing headphones, because you're all working for your own companies on your own projects. You don't need to collaborate unless you want to, but the chatter is often more limited than in a corporate setting. And finally, number five is to keep your eye on the prize. If all else fails, think about the end result. Think about your big goal, the big picture. How will getting this task done make you feel? What will you get to do later as a result of getting this task done now? How will you treat yourself? One of the ways to get really connected with this is to create a vision board or to journal regularly about this big goal and how it will impact your life and those around you. What's the price you're paying by not doing the work to reach these goals? The cost of inaction? What will happen to those who depend on you? Distractions at work are nothing new. Whether you're in an office building with people around you or in a home office working solo, if your brain wants to check out from your current task, it will find a way to do so. If you're not distracted by your co-workers talking about last night's new movie or footy game, you'll be distracted by the piles of laundry sitting unfolded in your bedroom. The key is how you react to these distractions and the steps you take to avoid them. So that draws our final parts four and five to a close. My sincere hope after last episode and this one is that you've learned some new techniques that you can implement in your daily schedule that are very, very practical and will really help you to get into the discipline of focused tasks. Everyone's got email to tackle. Everyone's got social media they want to sort through. Use some of these add-ons and extensions I talked about to make your work less chaotic even if you've got to adjust the settings a bit until you find just the right schedule. And you'll find some tools really work well for you and others maybe not so. But it's worth it in the end to cut those distractions for good. Now that you're ready to kick distractions to the curb and reclaim your productivity, let me tell you where to grab a very cool workbook where you can brainstorm some of these aspects of your work habits and map out your personal distraction action plan. If you go to leveragedbusinesspodcast.com and you scroll down to the episodes list, click the link to episode 88 here and it'll take you to the podcast show notes page. There you can also read this as an article, listen back to the episode and download the Managing Distractions workbook. And please do get in touch and let me know how it goes and what works best for you. It's really lovely to hang out with you. I've got some great topics coming up on the roster that with all the new focusing, no distraction habits that you're developing, you'll be able to crack on with and get a ton of stuff done. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss alerts when an episode drops. And please do share the show details with people that you feel could benefit. It's leveragebusinesspodcast.com. 
If you feel moved to write me a review, that would also be awesome and much appreciated. Make your day a successful one. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.